This is a Poets and Writers page one author reading. To hear more, visit us at pw.org forward slash multimedia or at soundcloud.com forward slash poets and writers. On the drive back from Deerfield, I tried to mentally prepare for the struggle up the front steps, to think of it as what Louise Bourgeois called the necessary battle with one's material. No real art, Bourgeois said, was possible without a fight with one's material. And wouldn't she know, having conquered just about everything, steel, marble, pantyhose, nightmares, surely I could conquer a few pieces of sheet metal without tearing my shoulder from its socket. You have to become more than yourself, is what Louise said when she passed 65, the station on the life train coming up for me as well. And when Louise started sculpting cocks big as boxing bags, suspending them at whatever height she wanted. Every night, I sipped a few lines from her writing in bed. I had no nerve in the morning if I skipped my nightly Louise. I'd come down the stairs and somehow piss the hours away, sanding lids and sweeping the floor like my own maid. When I pulled into the driveway with my scrap load, I saw the idle son next door was slumped on the front steps again in his unlaced construction boots, his buzzed head hanging over his spread knees. I gave him a nod as I'd been doing since he started drawing this family's water from my spigot. He returned the nod and lowered his head to his phone. Once I unlatched the bed of the pickup, I felt the radius of his gaze on me again while I strained to lift the top piece of sheet metal. I assumed he was home alone. His younger sister wouldn't have returned from school yet, and it seemed their mother had agreed to some kind of work at Porter's Deli up the street. In the late afternoon, I kept seeing the mother shuffling up the driveway with day-old hoagies or some kind of cast-off food wrapped in the wax paper the Porters had been using for their sandwiches since I was a kid. And Betsy Porter would bike past, muttering something hateful at my friend Alvina and her brothers, the only black kids on the street. I'd been the only Jewish kid. Whenever Betsy felt like it, she'd yell over for me to show her my horns. Betsy ran the deli now, and I still would rather pour a WD-40 in my coffee than walk in there for a carton of milk. I'd seen other women like this mother next door, who arrived with no car or job and agreed to whatever terms Betsy offered them. I'd see them emerge from the deli around the same time in the afternoon, holding rolls of toilet paper or crushed bags of Wonder Bread. Then after a month or two, they'd stop coming I had a hunch Betsy paid them with a degrading mix of cash and unsaleable goods. I'd rarely seen the son leave the porch. He just sat like a goose on the front steps, pecking at a bag of chips as he was now, watching me throw my back out. He just kept on watching, offering none of that brute strength that comes unbidden to young men. Do you think maybe you could get up, I said, and give me a hand? He rose immediately and shuffled over the uneven grass between our homes. He had the curved posture of someone accustomed to bracing for humiliation, and I realized it was entirely possible he hadn't offered to help because he didn't think his offer would be welcome. It's just three pieces of sheet metal, I told him, but be careful, they're heavier than they look.